welcome back to the Rab Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. Here's a sample of what's ahead. See, that's the thing. So for me, like, I think probably getting into the hills is one of the most inclusive activities that there is. Because the hills aren't turning around and saying, you can't come here because you're this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter. And that's one of the things I love about climbing and mountaineering and just going to the hills. In this episode, I chat with accomplished Scottish New Route pioneer Kev Shields about his recent adventures, his dreams for the future, as well as life as a family man. Kev was born with just one fully functioning hand, but it hasn't stopped him living a life full of mountain adventure. He's a man constantly breaking barriers and proving doubters wrong. Climbing has given me everything, claims Kev, as he shares how having that sense of purpose and increased self-respect has helped him, not just through lockdown, but several bouts of depression too. For Kev, climbing is not just about achieving goals and grades though. The people around him, the trust, the encouragement and sense of community are central to his enjoyment and what makes it so special. Kev shares his newfound interest in sports climbing, as well as his dreams of climbing E8 Trad. Kev, great to see you again. As always, Andy. Aye, good to see you as well, man. Yes, I think uh, the spring season is the summer season is in full swing up north. Is that right? Well, you say that we were out yesterday on Tunnel Wall, and it was double down jackets, really hats, gloves, absolutely freezing, like proper cold fingertips, and then. Aye, afternoon it was summertime, morning was definitely early spring. Right, okay, I'm thinking of coming up next week, so I hope, I'm hope i hoping it's on its way anyway. Aye, don't be too, you might get what you want, but that'll bring the midges, so <laughs> be careful what you wish for. No, you're right. Have, have they have they been seen yet? Felt? They've been seen, but not, not exactly biting yet, certainly not compared to what they will be in another, you know, month or so. They're just warming up. Aye, exactly. Getting ready for all the West Island whales. <laughs> for tourists like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, listen, um, where do I, where do we start? Um, I mean, I know I was just looking through some of the things you've been writing about. I mean, last year you were saying it was 10 years since you'd – sorry, it'd be 11 years this year since you've been working with RAB and yep. Low Alpine and, and, and also doing that big E6 that you did. Did that feel like a milestone in a way when you think, wow, 10 years? I, I guess 10 years doing anything is a bit of a milestone, but certainly 10 years with a sponsor is, you know, you know yourself, these things don't always have a long shelf life. But, you know, rather have been by far the most supportive sponsor that I've ever had, you know, can always go on above and beyond the usual expectations, you know, when it comes to requests for bespoke gloves, you know, for my my left hand and things like that, or help with making, you know, covers that will go over my prosthetic ice axe bits and pieces. So, yeah, they're definitely above and beyond as a sponsor. And I think, you know, I think I, I can speak on the half of the team. They're absolutely thrilled that, you, you know, you're part of the team, Kev, as well. And I just wanted to... Widen that out a bit because you climb a lot with a sort of a kind of a tight gang, with, uh, and you know how important is it that for you the people that they, you climb with? 
for me, that's like that's more than half the battle for for every kind of aspect. I guess you can think of that, especially if you're doing. I think if you're doing like hard routes that are pushing you like dangerous routes that have real. I mean, I guess any kind of climbing, I suppose, is consequences if it goes wrong. But if you're putting yourself like purposefully in a really dangerous situation, like whether it's scary head pointing, whatever it is, a hard winter climbing, you want the people that are with you to know the score, you know, if the the proverbial hits the fan, you need to have trust in the people that you're with. So I think that is really important. But as much as that, on the flip side that, you need people with you, you can have a laugh and a carry on with and don't take themselves too serious. So I kind of choose my climbing partners suited on that. And what kind of whiskey they drink as well, I guess. That's that's pretty important. I'm with you on that one, by the way. What what kind of whiskey do you drink on that? What's your favourite? Definitely Talisker. Or Lafroy, I do like the two. So that's the peaty stuff, right? The kind of Aye, the smoky yeah. stuff. Yeah. Aye. And I mean you you know, you obviously you've got a long you've had a long climbing relationship with, with Dave McLeod. Yeah. And I I just I, I I guess, you know, Dave's level is so much higher than like most people's on the planet, let's 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 be yep. honest. But you but I guess where you kinda you're doing hard stuff as well. Where you share the passion, it's that new routing. That's one of the things I see. You guys seem to be out all the time, uh, and that's not an easy thing. I mean, just I know there's like probably lots of lines left, but I mean, like finding them, cleaning them. You know, it's not like a five minute walking, is it? To some of these things, believe it or not, some of it's even less than that. I oh, don't tell me that. I mean, uh, like- really. Honestly, Andy, up so literally where I stay, there's a crag like you know five ten minutes walk, depending how fast you're moving. And wow. me and Dave have been picking up new routes there for a while. And like we're not talking chossy, but we're talking solid rock, beautiful lines, wow. you know, above a above a river, just a magical spot. You know, it's literally just up the road for where I stay. You don't need to be travelling far or even going high into the mountains to find new crags here. Right, fantastic. And I guess it's just you're getting out hiking, just spotting things, looking for lines. Yeah, something. I mean, like that crag that I'm talking about, that was just a day that not long after I had met my now wife. Uh, I'd never been for a walk up this glen and she said, oh, come on, we'll take the boys. You know, she's got two sons. Um We'll take the two of them and go for a walk. We went up here. I saw that huge lump of rock. Saw there was only one or two routes on it and got to work on it fairly soon afterwards. Is that the is that one of the lines, the Radiant Abyss that's in the film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, that's I mean, where that, it is. I mean, for people who, who are listening who haven't seen the film, they should check it out. It's a beautiful little film and uh, a big line. Uh, what? The name Radiant Abyss. Where did that come from? So basically, so when me and Dave first started going down there, because it's above the river and this the river, a lot of the water runs from the Black Blackwater Reservoir. Uh, we kind of decided even we were naming the first of the new routes there that it would have a water theme. So one of the days when I was starting to try the what became the Radiant Abyss, one of the lads took this picture and it. It made the water look so like friendly and warm, but in actual fact, it's like really deep, dark, freezing cold river. 
So it kind of came for that, but the actual name, the Radiant Abyss, it comes from a quote from the movie From Hell. It's all about Jack the Ripper. And there's this bit in it about, you know, where people go to find their cell and things like that, and it's called the Radiant Abyss. So it kind of comes off of that. So it's like, I guess, double meaning. That route, if I'm right, you, you sort of started exploring that line and trying it during lockdown when you obviously could only sort of climb in theory being the outdoors close to your house so that was like a real sort of sanctuary for you would that be fair to say that's more than fair to say that yeah having that on the doorstep and it's not just any climbing to have something there that's that's hard you know something you can get really stuck into and you know it was frustrating at first going up there because I, I just could not figure out the moves and whatever else but it was really good having that there to just you know keep going back to it have like two hours spare or whatever I can just run up there drop a rope down it get a good shift in trying it and that was that again for people who haven't seen it this is a like a prow a hanging prow that comes out on this huge piece of rock out of this beautiful river um and I mean in terms of protection to keep yourself safe it looks like is the two pieces on it yeah so I mean, if you've got two hands, you can protect it more because you can move around to the left-hand side and get gear in in the left. But obviously on my hand, I couldn't do that. So I protected it with a, a calm down low, which was basically just to protect the belay. And then there's a piece about half height that I managed to get in as well. And it's like my lucky wire. And I know if I can get that in in any route, if I get my lucky wire in there, I'm, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I mean, the... Just watching you climb it as well. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, do you sometimes get frustrated with like, oh yeah, if I had a hand like a normal hand, I would be able to do this, that, and the other. I would get more pro, would, or and and do you have to somehow kind of push through that and accept? Look, yeah, this is the challenge for me. Yeah, so probably a bit of both. Like, I do get frustrated sometimes when I I know if I had two hands, I'd be climbing a lot harder or whatever, but. At the same time, I've learned definitely in the past, probably since my daughter was born, that I don't feel that kind of anger as much anymore towards my disability. So I kind of enjoy the challenge actually of having it now. That's interesting. Was that something that's happened from the moment she was born? Or was it like more of a gradual thing, reflection or? Yeah, I think probably a gradual thing just to chill out a bit. You know, there's still a bit of the the old anger still there, bubbles away inside. You don't think you ever get rid of that completely, but I've definitely mellowed slightly in my old age. Maybe you can, maybe you're learning to, I don't know, channel it for certain routes like that. Because that was, was that one of the first kind of bold new routes since she'd been born? Uh, yeah, that was definitely the, the boldest of the new routes that she'd been born. So my mindset going into climbing that was completely different to what it would have been, you know, before she came along. I think a lot of the time when I was climbing harder stuff before she'd come along, it probably was through just internal anger and whatever else. Whereas climbing it now, there's definitely different reasons, you know, I think about like calculating the risk totally differently now compared to what I used to do. So there was definitely one point when I was there and when I was climbing route and I got to where I was placing the gear and I placed the gear and I think, you know, what a ridiculous situation to to get yourself into. But I was just so happy to be there, like so relaxed and, and I'd never really felt that way before. 
maybe that's flow kicking in. I don't know, but it felt different. For, you know yourself what you feel like when you hit that moment of flow. You certainly seem to be flowing like the pace and breathing, and you know. And it looks one thing I was yeah. going to ask you is if you if you did fall off that route, are you going into the water or is it more onto a ledge or what's the consequences of it? I think I pretty much almost at any point of that, other than within a metre or two of placing that middle bit of gear, you're probably going to end up in the water. Right. Yeah, I don't know what. I guess you'd then you'd be swimming with a bit of a rack on or something. Yeah, but. That's, yeah. There's not much here, Rack, so... Ah, to be <laughs> like fair, my, yeah. My harness is probably heavier than my rag. <laughs> no, to be fair. And I like the fact that... Oh, I'm sort of a spoiler uh, spoiler alert, really. Who were you climbing with in the film? Who was your partner? Oh, it was my mate, Jamie McLeavy. Yeah, so Jamie, you say to him um, something about if you, if you see any faffing, give me plenty of shouting or something. It's almost like you give, you're giving him permission to push you on, almost. Like, I just, so I, mean, I guess folk like the folk that I choose to climb with, like Jamie or any of the other lads like that, you know, they kind of know when to give you a bit of a boost and you know, just be waking you up. Like if you if you start faffing and if you if you have somebody shooting at you, just kind of brings you back to where you need to be and like right, just you know, get a bit of aggression or whatever's needed to fight through that bit and crack on mate. And that's why I'm pretty careful about it, you know with the people that I choose to climb with. Yeah, yeah. When you're – one thing I was – because you, you, you're shaking out on both hands, and obviously your hands are, are very different, but, like, the strength in each arm, is is that similar, or are you – you know, do you need to be shaking your left, like, way more? It's probably quite similar, to be honest with you. I Probably quite a similar, you know, amount that we need to shake out in either side. And do you – in the way that people do finger training, you do your own version of that to get strength in both your hands. Yeah, so I've got like Dave gave me one of his fingerboards a while ago, and I kind of chopped that up, and you know, so obviously the reach is very different on my left hand as it is to my right hand. So I've basically sure. got like a fingerboard chopped in half with the right side higher up, and the left side lower down, yeah. and that's kind of what I work with, but. My wife, she ordered these like hexagonal, these like wooden hexagonal things that you can hang. Recently, and it's got like different edges on it and monos on it. So I've been using them, and they're really good as well. Like that works really well for my left hand. It's not just experimentation, really, when it comes to training for my left. But for me personally, I find if I can, I always find I can get better. Just like the projects that I choose to be on or the routes that I choose to be on, is just to get strong by going out and trying them, really. And do you, I mean, are there other climbers that you can contact with a similar thing or is it your issue is so specific to you that really you you are the one sort of finding your own way with it? So I guess I'm finding my own way with it because I don't think there's certainly not many people doing what I'm doing. Like a lot of guys that you're seeing now coming through with like similar disabilities or, you know, upper limb disabilities or whatever, a lot of them are competition climbers, so yeah. I I kind of really relate in the same way. I'm trying to no no compete with able-bodied people, but I'm trying to do I'm I'm trying to climb hard traditional climbs. I'm not trying to go in a competition circuit. It's kind of a different mindset, I think. So I would like even nowadays, you know, you've got the Para World Cup and the the I, it's just not my scene at all. I'd like to see what I'm capable of doing against. 
normal people, so to speak. So, I mean, just looking at what you've been up to this spring, you look like you've been really busy. It's predominantly been, uh, you're obviously keen to new route, big lines, yes. trad. And what's the buzz in doing a new route? If people are listening and are not so, you know, they're, they're, they've never, there might, there's probably lots of people listening who never done a new route. What's the intrigue there for you? I guess for me, it's like, you know, if you if you were to go and pick up a guidebook for whatever area you're in, and you look at that that guidebook and you look at a route and say, right, that route's, you know, e whatever it's going to be. So for you or for Dave or for anybody else, that is that grade. But for me, you know, I could go and manage to do an E4 in that area, but I might be a stop and move on an HVS. So for new route, and I just go out go into a route that I don't know anything about. I don't have any preconceptions about it you know and I just go to work on it and find my own way and go to so I guess that's part of it but just the whole challenge of going out and finding these things and cleaning them and figuring out if they're possible because sometimes when you're talking about cleaning it and you know you're up there with an ice axe and a wee shovel and brushes and all sorts of stuff to actually get a line to come out of the heather eventually but you know there's so many of these things up here and then getting to name it, that's like that's a really cool but what I really like being able yeah. to put a name to a route. Yeah, brilliant. So that's the thing. And I mean, other things that you're keen to repeat as well, or if you to be honest, if there are so many of these lines, or have you got anything on the any any, any other things like to repeat? Yeah, there's always something. Yeah. So me and Dave and one of my other mates, we're actually going to Northern Ireland uh, a week and a bit from now. So for me, like climbing EA has always been like a big lifetime goal. It's like bucket list kind of goals. And the only one that I've ever found so far that kind of potentially half suits me is in Northern Ireland up in the Mourns. So right. we're heading out there next week to try that. Right. Wow. Fantastic. Well, I, say, I, I say try it. Dave will go and do that and probably bang that out in the first day. But, you know, for me, that's it's going to be a wee bit more time put into it probably. Yeah, brilliant. And I was just thinking about beta then, I guess even, you know, you, you, you could go on a route with Dave or whoever, but you're just going to have to find your own way. Or has it got to the stage where certain people you climb with, like Dave, he might have an idea of what might work for you? AI hey, pretty good at being able to know, like, what my guess, what my strengths are or what I'm capable of doing. Like, he might actually figure it out so I haven't, I've never been able to clip bolts with my left hand, but he managed to figure out a way that I could do that. And wow. It helped me figure out that. So that's been like quite a big thing, being able to do that, especially when I'm training indoors. It's, cool. it's not pretty or graceful, but it does the job. Absolutely. And um, I believe you have been sort of dabbling in a little bit of sports climbing locally. Is that right? Went over to the dark side a wee bit. <laughs> yeah, it happens to us all. <laughs> like my wife loves sport climbing and she's not a fan of uh, trad climbing at all so she's been saying for a while I mean she's been climbing at these new crags that have been newly bolted down at Oban for a while and uh, she'd been wanting to go up to tunnel wall so she went up and I've been belaying her and then Dave came up because he's, he's been working on symbiosis the E8 to the right hand side Cubby's route so been get up there with them and eventually one day they said, oh, come on, just give it a try. And I was like, oh, 
all right, I'll jump on it and give it a try. And I actually surprised myself, like, you know, with how far I got. Because it's 7B. I've never climbed 7B on sport before. Uh, so it's kind of got into my mind now. And I'm, you know, just plugging away at it, trying it. But, you know, if it was anybody else, maybe I wouldn't enjoy it that much. But you're just in that situation, sitting up there on the buckle and looking away doing Glencoe. It's a pretty magical sport. So, yeah. Yeah, well, good for you. Yeah, and it's not a... I think that's the, one of the few routes I've done on there. It's uh, yeah, it's it, it's not trivial. There's some, you know. No, it's no easy, man. <laughs> but I guess what you get from that as well is that um, pushing yourself in that way that's going to keep you in shape for you know other things as well, isn't it? A lot of people. Oh, these- definitely, yeah. Like that's the way I look at. It. Like, if I ever manage to do it, that's great. But you know, climbing a new trad route is always going to trump climbing. A hard sport route for me. It's just, just the way my mind's wired, I guess. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't even need to be like a hard track. You know, I did a new HVS up at that track a couple of weeks ago, and it was just like beautiful climbing, just like absolutely brilliant climbing, and just loved it. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it sounds like you've done quite a bit this spring. New routine. Yeah, it's been fairly decent actually. I, you know, just been busy. I've got like a a long term project back at my home crag that I've been working on, but it's it's getting too warm now to to get in that. So that'll be later on in the year when it cools down. Maybe get another pop at that. And I, I presume as well as climbing, you're getting some some good family adventures. I well, there's always family adventures, especially staying here. You know, if you're you can't even fail to get out and around. You're just like surrounded by this stuff here. I think I'm actually meant to be potentially going up Pink Rib with one of my stepsons tomorrow. His first big kind of mountain route or whatever you would want to call it. So, Where's that? Uh, basically opposite the buckle, straight across for the buckle. So you get this, like you just park up at Jacksonville basically and just be straight up the hill for there. So you get this like, it's dead easy scrambling, but it's just to start getting them into it and you get this amazing view across to the Buko and Fantastic. You know, across Rannoch Moor and doing Glencoe. How old is he? He's 11. Right. He's a good a good wee climber, so he's not so keen on the walking side of it right enough, so we'll see how long it takes us. <laughs> so I'm going to say, are you, are you going to start him off with a small pack or straighten at the, at the deep end? I think I'll maybe go small pack. I think I'm... I'm going to have to do that. I don't want to put them off for life. <laughs> yeah. How long are you in Ireland for? So that's the morns. Yeah. So we're heading out on Monday and back on Friday because Dave's going in for ankle surgery. On basically, we come back on the Friday. He goes in for surgery on the Monday. So this is his last kind of last blast for a couple of months, probably. Yeah, and summer for you. I mean, when it gets hot and the midges come out, do you sort of? kick back family time and do a bit of training I know that's often a lot of climbers actually there'll be training but I'm, I've got plans for trying to do a couple of really big hill days here like a round that's never been done so I'll go out and get the work in and get the miles in trying to do that would that be what involving some climbing or more like technical scrambling but just a massive day I technical scrambling but it'll be I reckon at the very least 24 hours I'll be on the go, so it's going to be a, a massive day. I'm not saying much more about it. I said, oh, I don't want to give no. too much away in case, in case somebody else goes and nabs the round. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And just to touch, I know you, you're saying you're getting into, or you, you've done a little bit of sports climbing up on Tunnel Walls, which is obviously an absolutely magnificent place. Is there a few more 
outlying places where sport climbing is popping up in Scotland. It seems to be a bit of a people are sensible, yeah. Down the the road to the Isles, you know, out towards Glenfinnan and uh, Mali, that kind of area, there's been quite a lot of bolting activity in the past couple of years. And then down at Oban, so just on the other side of Oban towards the Kerrera Ferry, there's been a ton of bolting done down there, some amazing routes getting done down there in big conglomerate crags. So, yeah. Is that a spread of grades? It's not all hardcore, bit of everything? Yeah, really good spread of grades, yeah. Brilliant, fantastic. All right, Kev, as always, it's been great to chat. But yeah, the inclusivity was was, was quite a thing. I was I was, um, I was was chatting to Karen Darks. I was chatting to her, so it was interesting to get her view on it. In terms of inclusivity, how much has it changed in your life? In maybe some ways it has or it hasn't? Or See, that's the thing. So for me, like, I think probably getting into the hills is one of the most inclusive activities that there is because the hills aren't turning around and saying you can't come here because you're this that or the other it doesn't matter and that's one of the things i love about climbing and mountaineering and just going to the hills you know i've spent my whole life being judged or being told that i can't do things or whatever the hills don't tell you they can you can't do things you know what i mean so there's no barrier to going out there and just getting out and doing things and getting into the hills. Sometimes it might not be easy financially, but there's usually a way around about that, you know. And it doesn't need to be going to Everest and spending, you know, crazy money. It can just be in the the local forest, whatever it is, you know, to get into the outdoors. So, yeah, I think it's the most inclusive sport or all-encompassing kind of type of sports, you know, is outdoor sports is the most inclusive that there is really to be honest I guess for some people and I'm sure you've done a lot of work uh, you know instructing and stuff it's people who've just haven't made that link even if they live there you know in the same place as you they haven't quite uh, that's quite an interesting thing isn't it what's that barrier something maybe they've no role models or maybe thought it's not for them or maybe thought yeah I need the kit or something. Like, what are the barriers for them? I think the barriers a lot of time for people, and it's like, it's probably going to get a bit of kickback in this, is folks just need to get up off their arse and get out there and get on with it, really, a lot of the time. A lot of people are too busy sitting about feeling sorry for themselves. You know, this is wrong or that's wrong or whatever else. Just get up and get at it, man. It's the best thing you can do. Like that's why the, one of the reasons the outdoors is so good for like mental health and things like that as well. You know, it's just so almost instantly rewarding. Get to the top of a wee hill, it can just be like a tiny walk. But as long as you get a bit of a view, it just releases the endorphins or whatever. So for mental health, it's just second to none. Yeah, well said. And in terms of inclusivity from point of view of, I guess, with your physical disability with your hand i mean you you do amazing things but i just sort of you know what sort of reactions do you get like on the crag well i mean obviously you're aware sometimes that people are watching what you're doing uh but i've never really let it i just use it to motivate me really like i know if if somebody's ever said anything negative you know i kind of use that as motivation i don't let it knock me down and make me cry or just be like oh well I'll show you what I'm capable of because I know people have said to me that I'll never climb P2 
people very recently, and I mean very recently, have said to me that I'll never climb uncertain emotions, you know, the 7B up at Tunnel Wall, and I'm through the crux or the main crux already. You know, they've told me I'll never climb E8, but I can link all the moves on that that yeah. route. So it's pretty close. Both of them are pretty close, so fingers crossed. And every time that I'm struggling on these things, I can just engage that. I can hear them saying it to me, and it helps. Yeah, and I guess they maybe the people that say it then suddenly they, they somehow feel threatened. So I, I, I do think there is a bit of that. I think some of these people have never climbed harder than that, and they maybe don't like the fact that some guy with one horn epilepsy and a mangled ankle is going to climb at that grade, but. I don't really give a shit <laughs> as no. long as I did, to be honest yeah. with you. That's what I'm happy with. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, it's it's great that you've got all these, uh, yeah, fantastic ambitions. And, um, yeah, I hope you keep inspiring the kids. And how old's your daughter now? She's four. So hopefully she's not she's she's not going to be with you on this epic round. No, she's got a while to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Kev. As always, um, have a enjoy the rest of the spring and the summer. Right. And stay you safe. As well. Yeah. Let me know if you're heading up this way, mate. We'll catch up with you then. Yeah. No, definitely. Good to speak to you, Andy. I'll see you in a bit, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hoped you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe. I look forward to bringing you more stories and interviews very soon. Stay tuned.